Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome, weary traveler. Need a short rest? Oh, I see. They said you'd be showing up about now. Come on, through the portal. Best not keep the lower mistress and more master waiting. You know how they get. Robots Radio presents The Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. My name is Sean. And we will be your lore master. And would you consider yeah? Would you consider yourself a lore master? Um, like a lore TA, a lore, a lore teacher's apprentice. I was gonna say apprentice. That makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lore's teacher's apprentice. Um, yeah, and we uh we're here to talk D and D lore each and every week. Hot, fresh, and ready lore. Uh, much like a like like a nice pizza pie, except uh, instead of pepperoni and cheese. You get bugbears and goblins and whatnot, but it's calorie free, so you can That's listen right, to yeah. as much as you want. It's uh, you know, it's gluten free, it's calorie free, uh, it's on any any sort of diet, paleo, all that. Weight uh, Watchers, anything you're doing. Atkins. <laughs> we try to South make Beach. this as you know uh, inclusive as possible. 
But this, uh, I say, I say inclusive. Uh, this week is going to be a gnarly episode. <laughs> uh, it's we are we're talking vile gods. And here's the thing: we had our patron roundtable last week, and we, you know, we got to uh, talk and with the patrons and and talk talk about what we've been doing the second half of this year, and also talk about why we're grateful, like things we're grateful for in the TTRPG space. And I was like, enough for enough of the all feel gooderies. I want to talk some heinous, awful stuff. <laughs> I want to talk some vile gods. Uh, so we're going to talk about a handful of them in the first half. And then we've got a special treat in the second half. Uh, so in comparison with gods such as Bane or Vecna, you're kind of like the big bads of the BBEGs of the D&D multiverse. The vile gods that we'll be discussing in the first half are relatively minor in comparison. They've only got a few small congregations and cults in their name, but they, you know, what they what they lack in uh, what they lack in, uh, you know, I guess uh, population they make up for in, in enthusiasm. <laughs> right, just 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 like us. Exactly, they're <laughs> they're fervent, uh, excitable fellows. Uh, so most people speak these deities' names in fear, or not at all, lest they attract a dread's god, a dread god's attention. So the first vile god we're going to discuss is Karan. So known primarily as the beast god, Karan, spelled K-A-R-A-A-N, is a monstrous entity of savage lust and wanton destruction so far you know not not too not too like off the grid in terms of vileness no you know savage lust and wanton destruction i mean it sounds it sounds like your typical teenage boy playing grand theft auto yeah who among us who among us could not be described as such (laughs) at one point in their life so quran is normally depicted as a hulking humanoid covered in fur with terrible claws and teeth. Doesn't resemble any specific animal, but just has this sort of general overall predatory appearance. Uh, Quran represents the dark side of nature. Thus, uh, he's like the opposite or the enemy of Obadhai or Elona, more of like the peaceful druid, druidic type deities. You know, the... Let's bask underneath the shade of a of a willow tree and watch, you know, bugs crawl around on leaves and just, you know, be at one, be be at one with the Earth Mother. The complete opposite of that. Uh, often revered in association with Erith Nul, although his cults, the cults of Quran, are much more obscure. A few believe him to be related in some way to Yenaku, though that demon prince is not an actual god. Which do you think if you're a demon prince, do you is it one of those like um Dwight Schrute, like assistant regional manager, <laughs> assistant to the regional manager type thing? I mean, you'd have to imagine, yeah, like if you've got congregants and stuff, if you're seeking followers, like you would definitely bristle at being called only a demon prince. Right. Uh, in relation to the vile gods. I would think so. I mean, I would. I would. I, <laughs> speaking as a demon prince adjacent, 
Uh, <laughs> I would, yeah, I would think uh, the ego on a demon prince probably isn't uh, isn't the most secure of things. Probably, probably pretty fragile. Yeah, yeah, definitely um, takes every um, you know every grievance to social media to get you know feed positive feedback from followers and you know boost himself back up again. Oh, you know, yeah, it's one of those a demon prince is definitely one of those uh who would act like actively search their name on social media. Ooh, not just yikes. not just uh you know look at the their at mentions but go right. in and search for their name. Um so Karan is the patron of lycanthropes, all sorts of were beasts and other bestial creatures such as bugbears and gnolls and, and wargs and stuff like that. Uh, clerics of Quran are as bestial as the god that they serve. They despise civilization and they love to destroy things, in particular uh, objects fashioned through craftsmanship, for such skills are alien to them. And I... Just, I love the implication of that, that like they would walk into like an antique shop and just lose their minds. <laughs> just wreck the joint. You know I mean, because, yeah, like, you know, like, hey, like, you know, check out this, um, you know, check out this ashtray that my kid made me in shop. I just smashes <laughs> it on the ground. This is alien to me, so I must destroy it. <laughs> I mean, on on one hand, on one part, it's it's utterly ridiculous. But on the other hand, I I completely uh, identify with that. Yeah, as someone who destroys anything that's alien to me, um, or rather, you know, someone who would love to. Yeah, yeah fair enough. <laughs> so they they wear furs and hides uh, in battle, or they wear nothing at all. So it's like you know, it's one or the other. It's you know, there's no in between. Like they're they're either covered up and protect it or they're going you know the full monty i can't imagine going into battle full monty the confidence that your average quran follower must uh you know have is pretty incredible you know in their in their self-image or in their uh your self uh preservation i guess like the- both really like i mean the the idea that like not only am I going to go out there naked, I assume I'm going to win. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, Like, that's just a, that's some next level. Like, you should be giving motivational speeches level of confidence. Naked. You should be giving motivational <laughs> speeches naked. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're one of the naked uh, followers, if you go into battle in armor, uh, I don't want to hear from you. Yeah. You know, big deal. Big whoop. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you go up there like, you know, they, the last time I was dressed like this, I was in, <laughs> I was on the, I was in battle. Um, so their hair is usually wild and flowing, uh, and they are given to incoherent screams and grunts. Uh, they also undergo scarification as a part of their rituals. They also file their teeth into, uh, to sharp points if they're not already naturally sharp. Uh, Quran's temples are places of natural power, such as uh, secluded glens, uh, rocky outcroppings, deep pits in the wilderness. And they're always full of the bones of their prey, of sacrificial victims, and of fallen enemies. A um, fun fact, fun uh, 
D&D lore cast fact. Uh, Quran was a uh, god included in the evil campaign I ran several years ago. Oh, really? He was the patron god of a group of like of lycanthropes that had infiltrated a town. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, I love the idea too that Quran is actually a patron of werewolves. So does that mean he answers werewolf prayers? Like you know, and are you there, Quran? It's me, Margaret. Sort of. <laughs> uh it's uh it's me jacob uh it uh that's a twilight joke by the way uh, <laughs> that's a pretty good twilight joke i didn't catch that um yeah i mean he like, very much could for sure i mean not he isn't beholden to uh you know un, you know right what no god, no is. god yeah. is. <laughs> he's no demon prince uh but no yeah absolutely uh the second vile god we're going to discuss is also known as the Razor God, Ralister. Ralister is a deity of murder, a deity of torture, and a deity of psychotic behavior. Uh, so right now, like this is getting into like the you know Scandinavian black metal like <laughs> the, like corner of D and D, and I'm all for it. My my first thought reading the notes was like i i pictured i know i know that the description is different but like the first thing that flashed into my head was uh pinhead from hellraiser like in terms of like the cenobites that whole aesthetic which i guess is scandinavian metal in its own way yeah oh no yeah for sure you know that whole that whole sort of aesthetic um so religious scholars refer to rouster as the insane god and the god of madmen but rouster's followers find him completely sane and co- and comprehensible like so like look you don't you just don't understand him like we do <laughs> if you read your scripture if you really dove into the subtext of our of our holy of our holy text um so Rallister is normally pictured as uh, much like your um pinhead as a tall pale individual uh, mm-hmm. without wrinkles but he has dark hair unlike um you know as opposed to a bunch of nails covering his... yeah i mean he still might have nails in his head it's just that they're covered by the dark hair or yeah or like it's that's you... my head cannon <laughs> he's still got the nails but he's got such <laughs> a luxurious flow like like made. warren Beatty 1970s hair uh i for some reason i'm picturing mufasa from the Lion King. <laughs> so you've gone to a completely different species okay. well i mean he's still he's still uh you know humanoid but just sort of like the mane of hair that he has is like (laughs) is enough to it's you know the volume is such that it covers the nails (laughs) so upon a closer inspection however it reveals that his entire body is made of razors dripping with blood and also oil to keep the blades sharp and rust free Rallister's symbol is a toothy mouth clamped down on a bloody razor-thin blade, and his favorite weapon is the short sword, which is something that uh, I believe 5e has kind of gotten away from. But uh, if you like, sort of invoke a patron god, if you have, if you are, it's more so um, not, it's more so flavor text, but uh for a lot uh at least for a lot of you know character classes and all that but if you were a follower of a god that god usually has a favorite weapon and i always try to if it you know fit my character i always try to you know 
if their favorite weapon was like a short sword or a short bow, well, depending on my if my character was melee or or range, I would try to accommodate that. You know, just just for the flavor text. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the domains that Ralister is associated with are evil. Okay, that that goes beyond saying uh, right. destruction and pain, which definitely fits into that Cenobite vibe that you're going yeah. for. Uh, and he is obviously chaotic evil. I don't, I don't, you, if you tell me uh, like, hey, what alignment do you think this god is? Uh, he's completely made of razor blades and his symbol <laughs> is a mouth, a bloody mouth biting down on a bloody razor blade. What alignment do you think he is? I'd be like, mm, neutral? Neutral lawful? <laughs> lawful neutral maybe? I don't know. Um, so many of his followers uh, or many of his clerics are psychopaths and mass murderers who lurk in the shadows or discreetly in plain sight. You know, many of them act perfectly normal, maintaining a second identity as a, as a shop clerk or even an artisan. But whether they camouflage themselves within society or remain apart from it, Rallister's minions delight in torturing and killing their victims, usually in seclusion. Ralster has very few temples as his followers are usually loners. And as such, they keep secret shrines just for themselves. But each shrine has a small altar made entirely of razors. You think you could get a Ralister shrine on Etsy? I don't, I don't see why not. That's fair. I mean, like if you're not crafty, let's say you used to be a Quran follower and, you know, making stuff is alien to you, but like you've changed. <laughs> it's sort of craftsmanship. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's beyond you. You missed your window of learning how to do it. Like, but you, you want to get in on this. Like, you're like, no more God of the werewolves. I want the God of the madman. I want um, the God of the psychopath. Right. Um, these followers sound way scarier to me that uh Quran's like the especially the ones who are hiding in plain sight as artisans and shop clerks. Oh no, yeah, absolutely. And what I love about about these vile gods is that you can plug them right into a campaign as you know as a as either a one shot or a small arc, you know, where there is a, a cult that infiltrates the the city or or even just a couple of followers and you know start committing these heinous crimes in the name of their god. And, you know, it's up to the party to, you know, stop them, to figure out who it is and stop them. Like I said, it's not because because these vile gods are, as I stated at the top of the show, uh, not as don't have as much notoriety or don't have as, as many followers, definitely have the notoriety, but not as many followers. You know, it, it doesn't seem as, you know, monumental as having to stop a, a cult of Vecna or a cult of Bane. Right, right. The third uh, vile god that we're going to discuss is the patient one. Waiting in the darkness, the patient one, also known as the Dark Watcher, is a strange and alien creature, always whispering secrets to itself. Now, this is not to be confused with Tharizdan, who is also known as the patient one, who is also considered a god in some lore, but also an elder evil and others. You know what? Come to think of it, we'll we'll jump into some Tharizdin lore in the second half of the show. As I just and don't think that was just off the cuff. I definitely planned this. 
Uh, so the patient one waits, haha, until its time comes and then it strikes, destroying or consuming everything in its path. Although never actually pictured in its entirety, the god is known to have many eyes, to have many mouths, and many clawed arms around its bulbous body. Sounds utterly disgusting. I don't know what <laughs> what is it about uh, like human or about our brains that when we see something with a lot of eyes, it's it's completely disgusting to us. I don't know. Maybe it's the same like thing that triggers the uncanny valley response. Like we have like something in our biology, something in our our lizard brains is hardwired to recognize faces, right? right. And we understand that faces traditionally have two eyes. And you know, that's pretty much true across the man the mammalian kingdom and all that. But then you get into like other types of creatures like insects, spiders, things like that, that have these multiple eyes. And so it sort of jars with our idea of what a face should be. I'm just guessing. I don't like have any hard data to back this up. But. Well, that's sort of that's sort of the theory is that, you know, because the unca- the uncanny valley is, you know, for those who don't know, is when you know, something computer usually computer generated looks human enough but is slightly like is slightly off. Think the Polar Express, <laughs> the the yeah, animated the movie. CGI one, yeah. Uh and it's looks enough looks human enough but is just slightly off that it's completely it makes us feel weird you know in a weird way (laughs) um and the theory is that it's because we there's something like you said hardwired in our lizard brain to recognize when something isn't human which is also wild to think of because you know why were we having to recognize something that looked human but wasn't human right Maybe it's yeah, just a yeah. That's a good question. Like, what in our distant past is uh, sneaking around trying to look human that we needed to develop this? Exactly, exactly. So, or what in our distant past was you know walking around with dozens of eyes over their body, and we had to be like, <laughs> hey, stay away from that thing. <laughs> that it look, it may be patient, but once it's ready, you're done. You're done for. It you know you will you'll see you and and the many mouths too is so so weird. Uh, so although some humanoids do worship this strange being, many more aberrations revere it. The patient one's temples are towers often built on high hills in isolated areas, but because beholders and mind flayers are, you know, clerics and worshipers, the patient one's towers can also be found underground. At the apex of each tower is a stone altar carved to appear as a mouth surrounded by eyes, of course, and then stained dark red with blood. Nice. So the patient ones obviously lives by the name patient. <laughs> and one of the you know, main dogmatic teachings is do not rush with decisions. Think your plans through and attack your enemies at the right moment. The whole world will be consumed by the Dark Watcher. Your job is to start the destruction. But only at the right moment. But only at the right moment. You don't want to you don't want to jump the gun on the right, destruction. Think it through. No weddings in Vegas. Unless oh, no. you planned it that way. Yeah, unless you're like, you know what, let's just let's just do a shotgun wedding. And that's not that's a that's a that's different from a from an elope, an elopement. Shotgun wedding. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely um think your plans through. That's interesting that they they advise like patients even though there there is this idea that the whole world's going to be consumed by now is the dark watcher the same thing as the patient one or is that a separate entity no they're, they're it's just one of here's one and, of its names yeah and, and here's um something that you may be new to as far as the lore cast goes uh we have come to the decision uh and this is just based on stone cold facts that mm -hmm. if you're evil you have cool nicknames <laughs> if you're good you usually have pretty mid nicknames every so often you get a cool one but it's really the the, the evil doers that have cool nicknames and we'll definitely get to that when we talk about tharizdun because this dude has a million of them and they're all badass i guess that's why aragorn is kind of scary when you first meet him because he's got a pretty cool nickname he's strider yeah yeah i mean just the fact that he has a nickname one and it's and sounds pretty cool Right. I've been rewatching Lord of the Rings. I just wanted to get that reference in there. As as well you should. I feel this is the season for Lord of the Rings rewatches. The penultimate vile god that we'll be discussing in the first half of the show. Actually, no, we still got three more, so no. Uh the, the... Anti-penultimate? <laughs> No, well, that would be the semi-anti-penultimate. I don't know what. Yeah, what the what next vile god <laughs> we'll be discussing <laughs> is Skarasser, known by all as the Mistress of Exquisite Pain. Skarasser is usually portrayed as a woman covered entirely in tight, studded black leather, so that covered so that even her face is concealed. She usually holds a whip and a hook. Temples to the mistress of exquisite pain are hidden behind false facade, which makes sense considering her appearance. Mm -hmm. The clerics of these uh, of these temples often maintain front businesses such as bakeries or uh, dairies or even like curiosity shops with the temples accessible through hidden doors. The temple's rooms are soundproof to muffle the cries of pain. And although most of Skarasser's clerics are compulsive about keeping their temples clean, it's usually impossible to keep the you know at least a dribble of blood or a loose tooth from dropping to the floor at any given time. Altars are usually baroque monstrosities of spikes and spines and clamps and chains. And Skarasser is related to another good deity, but the two deities have nothing to do with each other and conceal their relationship. That's really interesting that I, they both by agreement. <laughs> and I love this. I love the, that the lore is, I feel intentionally vague about this because at that point you could just homebrew whatever, you know, good deity you want and sort of explain away like the relationship. Right. So Skarasser is selfish and cruel and domineering. And so imagine, you know, imaginably so, understandably so, you know, most of uh, most, so are most of her followers. Skarasser's clerics dress as their mistress does, preferring to hide their identities with leather or iron masks. And they're all sadists, although some uh, are also masochists 
who prefer to give pain rather than actually kill. Sacrificial victims dedicated to Skarasar often take days to die, for they are tortured to death, and in their minds, the more slowly, the better. Skarasar's followers delight in the sounds of screams and in the sounds of tearing flesh, and because they try to prolong a victim's agony, many are actually skilled in the healing arts. Which is wild. Because you're thinking like, I can't take much more of this. At least I'm going to die soon. And then all of a sudden they heal you. <laughs> For 20x, not XP, but HP. Yeah. And so in their spare time, and I also love this, in their spare time, the clerics also devise new tortures and new torture devices. Yeah, you it's know, like like a homebrew. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I was going to say, like, you know, they're always better, right? That's always striving to be better. Always try to be better than the day before, right? Yeah, every day and every day, every way, getting better and better. <laughs> now, this is the penultimate vile god that we'll be discussing in the first half of the show. Not a single god, but the Zamix is an entity composed of at least six separate beings. The Zamix represents cold, analytical thinking taken to its extreme. And, you know, and Lord Mistress Mary and I have discussed this, the sort of um, the hesitancy, like the, the, the pause we have when we do research on these evil gods or evil creatures or demons uh, and, uh, find anything at all relatable <laughs> and i was like oh yeah cold analytical thinking i like that that's that makes sense why not sure but of course it's taken to its you know complete extreme and so zamek serves as the patron of utter indifference and of delving into forbidden knowledge through exploration and experimentation Clerics of the Zamics are cold, uncaring beings who are fascinated by knowledge, which makes sense. I mean, if you are cold and analytical, you kind of have to be indifferent, right? You have no room for emotion. Right. Uh, they think nothing of dissecting living creatures simply to learn more about their biology. And they also place these creatures in torture chambers to see how long they can withstand terrible pain before their psyches crumble. I love the fact that it says that before their psyches crumble, not their bodies. Right. It does they don't they don't put them in these torture chambers to see how long they can physically withstand the pain, but rather mentally. Do you think they ever set their um their victims loose after they're done breaking their psyches just as like madmen and mad women back into the world? Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe that's uh how uh, the patient one gets followed, or rather, uh, Rallister gets followers. <laughs> maybe. So they, uh, their temples, the temples of Zamix, are stark stone edifices filled with traps and ingenious locks, and white plaster often covers the interior walls, with altars dedicated to the Zamix always being made of polished steel. Uh, it reminds me of um, like an Ikea, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, 
I gotta say, of the alters described so far, I, uh, these are the this is the least interesting of all of them to me personally. I mean, if I'm signing up, uh, I don't think this is the one for me. I don't know that any of them. Well, I mean, we before we started recording, you made me promise that at the end of the episode, uh, we will decide which of these we will become followers of. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that one seems the least interesting and it also seems like the least insane which is also worrisome (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to join the least insane one i mean if i'm look if i'm going for a vile god i want to go a whole hog yeah let's go on yeah let's let's not uh let's not you know be you know skimping on the vileness here let's (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) Uh, the final vile god in the first half is Yethan, the god of evil depths, master of the last gasping breath, and lord of the deep darkness. Yethan is a god of the sea. Once a simple water deity, Yethan gradually brooded on dark, more mysterious matters until he became a neutral evil god of all things foul and malevolent about the sea. So he basically contemplated himself out of neutrality and into evil. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess neutral evil. Well, and into evil, yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, yeah, if you, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to blame them. If I feel like if I sat in the dark and just thought, uh, I would eventually turn evil too. (laughs) Yeah. I, I feel like there's definite, uh, teenage edgelord vibes going yeah. on here yeah um but yeah i i think yeah without enough without interaction without if you just have to hang out at the bottom of the sea all the time like i feel if bruce wayne didn't have a trust fund this is who he, he would have become <laughs> yeah um some sam uh sahugins a few kuatoas and a fair number of aboliths and their scum servant servants uh revere ethan who is largely unknown among land dwellers, among the landlubbers. Uh, Yethan's temples are always submerged and unlit, filled with sharks, octopi, and other strange denizens that are usually found in only the deepest undersea trenches. His symbol is a dark bluish-green spiral with a black center, and this vile neutral evil god their favorite weapon is the trident, and they're associated with obviously evil, but as well as destruction and water domains. Clerics of Yethan are quiet, brooding individuals with quick tempers and are usually wearing dark green and black. And if they are not native sea breathers, they are nevertheless accomplished swimmers, which I feel would signal me out. Like that would. Oh, are you not a. A strong swimmer? I'm not an accomplished swimmer. I mean, I can swim. Like you toss me out into a into a lake, into an ocean, into a pool. You know, I can I can not drown. Right. You won't drown in the bathtub. No, not yet. <laughs> but, <laughs> but not not at the hale age of forty. Yeah. But um, no, yeah, I don't I don't think that uh I wouldn't call myself accomplished by any stretch. Yeah, that that's fair. Yeah, that that accomplished is really what hangs you up. Yeah. 
So we are going to ponder which of these we'll follow. We're going to take a break, go to the middle of the show. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Tharuzdin and let y'all know which of these vile gods we will serve. Welcome to the middle of the show. Of course, the middle of the show is where we do all the midly things like talk about recent D&D news, uh, spotlight some homebrew shenanigans, and of course, thank all the listeners. Thank you so much for listening to the show and extra special special shout out to our patrons over at patreon.com slash D&D Lorecast for supporting the show in that way. Uh, and thank you to Big Fat Boss, our newest patron. It's a fantastic name. I love it. Um, if you are interested in uh, getting some of the perks and benefits that are afforded to the patrons, definitely check out our um, our Patreon. We have bonus content like uh, like two Patreon Plus installments each and every month. Those are deeper dives into the lore that we cover. Uh, we have a bonus episode every month. We have free merchandise uh, for certain tiers. We have workshop uh, sessions for certain tiers. Um, at certain tiers, you're able to be invited to be a part of the actual plays that we're going to start up here in 2024. Um, definitely want to foster a community, grow a community, you know, just spread the love of D&D and TTRPGs in general. And uh, so and so thank you to the, the the folks who help make that possible in ways that we otherwise couldn't do. If you want to support the show in other ways, you can absolutely leave us five-star reviews on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. You know, follow us on all the social medias. We are at D&D Lorecast pretty much everywhere. And then and, and just tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell someone you think would be interested in the show. Um, hit us up with comments, um, constructive criticism, that sort of thing at dndlorecast at gmail.com. You know, anything that can make the show bigger and better for you, the listener. And in terms of D&D news, we've actually got a lot um, compared to the past couple of weeks. The past couple of weeks have been a little slow after the release of, or at least the digital release of the uh, Book of Many Things and Deck of Many Things. Uh, we haven't had a physical release, but there is an update on that. Um, Wizards just announced a couple about a week ago or so that for U.S. players and stores, the Deck of Many Things should be uh, getting in your hands around January 5th. Uh, other parts of the world will be a little bit later than this, and they'll continue to update, you know, with an exact timeline. So it looks like you can actually get your hands on the physical copy uh, right around the beginning of the new year. So that's exciting. In terms of moving forward into 2024 and the 50th anniversary and the the I don't know what what to call them. I don't want to say remaster because that's what Paizo is calling their Pathfinder Second Edition uh, rule books, their new ones. Um, but whatever they're calling the the new books, the new core rule books that are coming out in 2024, uh, they've released another playtest. They've released a an eighth playtest. Uh, it talks about the barbarian, the druid, the monk. So there's a link to that in the show notes. Definitely check it out. You know, tinker with it, play with it, use it in your one shots. Maybe incorporate a rule or two into a campaign that you're already playing, and see what works and see what doesn't. And then when the feedback opens up, we'll let you know, and you can give feedback. This is one of the best ways to ensure that we get as good a game as possible. So definitely hit up D and D Beyond or just check the link in the show notes to check that out. Um, more news: there is a this year's Advent calendar or Adventure calendar over on D&D Beyond. Uh, every day you get something, some kind of benefit, some kind of perk. Um, for, you know, 
yesterday was the first. So if you if this is the first you're hearing about it, then you've already missed out on that benefit. It was a discount on some some of the D and D coffee that they sell, and not, not big unless you like the coffee. In which case, um, in which case you missed out. You're gonna have to pay full price. Sorry, sorry to sorry to burst your bubble. Uh, but yeah, you get something cool like you know it could be uh, some digital dice on D and D Beyond. It could be discounts on books and stuff like that. And a link to that will be in the show notes as well. Some more news. The U.S. Postal Service has revealed that they are going to release 10 different D&D stamps uh, in 2024 to mark the 50th anniversary of Dungeons & Dragons. Described by its owners as the world's greatest role-playing game, D&D has become a cultural phenomenon by inviting participants to imagine themselves as wizards, warriors, and other adventurers in exciting and treacherous fantasy worlds. Dungeons and Dragons opened doors to whole new universes of creativity and generation for generations of players. Like I said, there will be 10 different designs that highlight characters, creatures, encounters familiar to players of the game. Uh, you've got Tiamat, you've got uh, Dritz, you've got Asarak, you've got the cover from the uh, Menser basic rules box set. It's, it's D&D stuff. It's awesome. And um I mean, I'm I'm going to buy as many as possible. I'm not going to send. You're not going to get any letters from me. I guarantee you that. Uh, that's a lost art, but it's it's going to be awesome. Uh, and the final bit of news, it was a bit exciting to see that the Taldori campaign setting reborn uh, book was being made available on D and D Beyond as a you know as a digital copy. And now we're starting to see even more third party content uh, onto the onto the website. We've got uh, Ghostfire Gaming bringing two of their books. Uh, Grim Hollow, Layers of Atharis, which showcases 20 horror fantasy adventures with more than 75 new monsters. And we've also got Dungeons of Drakenheim, which is a full campaign that is set in a ruined city for players to explore. And you probably know for, know it know of it from the Dungeon Dudes podcast or YouTube channel. So again, very cool that we're starting to see third-party content. Uh, hopefully that starts to continue on as, we, as D&D starts to pivot toward their own virtual tabletop. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm like, I'm excited to see that Dragonheim looks freaking fantastic. Uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of all things spooky. So should become as no surprise. And as far as homebrew shenanigans goes, I looked up DMs Guild and I searched for Tharuzdan trying to figure out what we could find that would, um, have some kind of connection to the, to the topic this week. And I found an adventure series called Lament for Lost Tharuzdan. It's a two-parter, and you can actually get it bundled together um, with a uh, with a discount. If you bought them separately, they'd be seven uh, close to eight bucks. If you buy them together, it's under four dollars. It's three ninety-five. So definitely look about look into getting the bundle rather than buying them individually. But it is uh, like I said, two-part adventure. The first part, the Amber Sarcophagus, sing a lament for lost Therizdin. The wizard Barak has acquired something terrible in the mountains. And his folly has inflicted eternal winter on nearby villages. Delve into his keep, discover the nature of his experiments, and drive away the shadow before it spreads to consume everything. Now, this is a Ravenloft adventure, but not necessarily, doesn't necessarily have to be set in Ravenloft if you want to set it anywhere else. Um, for characters of third level, the second part, Spear of Sorrow, snowstorms and disappearances blight the villages surrounding the Balanok Mountains. Investigate the rumors that a cult of elemental evil is involved and stumble across something altogether more sinister. Now, this one is for fourth level. So if you are going to play them back to back, you start off the Amber Sarcophagus with your uh, party at third level. 
they level up and then they start Spear of Sorrow. Uh, it looks freaking awesome. It's got five star reviews and it's three ninety five for that price for two adventures. Can't go wrong. So definitely check it out. A show is included in the show. Uh, a link is included in the show notes. With that being said, let's jump back to the show. In the earliest days of creation, even before the gods and primordials began their terrible war, one god was not content with sharing power. He wanted absolute control over the nascent universe. This god, whose name is spoken only in panicked whispers, sought a source of power he could use to gain total dominion over the unfolding realms of creation. Somewhere in the infinite expanse of space, he found the weapon he sought in the form of a tiny shard of utter evil. The touch of the shard drove this god to madness, corrupting him so completely that he was no longer recognizable as his former self. Nevertheless, he carried the crystalline fragment into the depths of the universe, into the lowest reaches of the primordial vastness that would one day become the elemental chaos, and planted it there. Evil took root like a foul seed of corruption, burrowing deep into the unshaped matter of the elemental chaos and spreading unholy tendrils far and wide. A yawning chasm of infinite gloom and despair opened up at the lowest pit of creation, swallowing all matter and light, defiling anything that drew near. The Abyss was born. The evil of the Abyss corrupted even some of the mighty primordials, Demogorgon, Baphomet, Orcus, and reshaped them into the likeness of pure, destructive evil. The Mad God hoped to wield these demonic princes as weapons in his war of conquest, but they would not bend to his will or any but their own. So he left the Abyss and marshaled other elemental forces in his bid for domination. But the other gods overcame him, chaining him forever in the secret place known only to them. Now he is called the Chained God, or, by his demented followers, the Elder Elemental Eye. His only desire is to escape his prison, and he rarely spares a thought for the realm he inadvertently created. But the Abyss remains, a festering cyst beneath the elemental chaos. Within its lightless depths, demons erupt into birth, live out their short and violent lives, and are reabsorbed into the darkness. Demon princes rule their petty abyssal domains, scheming to destroy the gods and all their works. The god Loth hides in the demon web pits, corrupted and perhaps driven mad by the same power that shattered the chain god and made the first demon princes. And somewhere far beneath all imagining, the crystalline heart of the abyss still beats its unceasing cadence of evil. Now that is what you call um, some top shelf lore. Like yeah. If you were, if there was a, like a lore bar and you asked for some lore and they asked you like, what do you want? Do you want the house? It's like, actually, no, let me get the top shelf stuff. They would, they would pour you some of that. <laughs> so that's a quick little, uh, you know, excerpt on how the abyss was created and the chained God the the nameless god, the elder elemental eye, 
That is Tharizdun, an ancient dark god of malign decay and madness. Tharizdun seeks nothing less than the utter destruction of the universe, reducing all to literal nothingness. So Tharizdun, like I mentioned in the first half, has some of the dopest nicknames <laughs> that we've had the pleasure of covering here on the Lorecast. Um, I'm just going to start naming them off. You let me know, uh, you know if it's a pass or a fail as far as you know how cool it is. Okay. The Dark God. It's a weak pass. Okay. The Ender. That's a pass. Key of Eternal Darkness. Pass. The Ebon God. Uh, fail. The Black Sun. Sun, S-U-N. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. I, I thank you for clarifying that. Um, yeah, it's a pass. This is um, why I had to bring him up earlier, the patient one. I'm just going to say fail because he's not the only one rocket uh, in that nickname. Okay, okay. He who waits. Fail. The anathema. Past. The father of elder evils. Pass. The elder elemental god. Fail. The author of wickedness. A plus pass. Absolutely. <laughs> the eater of worlds. Eh, fail. The despised. Fail. The undoer. Fail. The chained god. Mm, pass. And the chained oblivion. I give that a, a, a stronger pass. Chained Oblivion has some flavor to it. it. Absolutely does. But yeah, the author of wickedness, that's that's <laughs> Chef's Kiss. Yeah, I've never, I've never that that's good. Yeah. That's that's a good nick. That's a good evil nickname. So eons ago, Therizden was imprisoned when the other gods put aside their differences and attacked in unison, fearing his dread dreams would come to pass. That's what we spoke of earlier when he become uh when he was that's why they call him the chained god. So now Therizdin is trapped alone in this prison demiplane from which he cannot free himself. However, his conduits to the material plane and the rest of the Great Wheel, while they are few and tenuous, uh, they, you know, they are still pretty fanatical about their worship. But only a few learned sages even know that Therizdin was ever worshipped. Interesting. That's like so. So his his priesthood is essentially pretty educated. Well, no, yeah, I mean, you would have to be. I mean, it, it, this this sort of knowledge is so archaic and so you know um, esoteric, right? And that you would have to be pretty educated to get to this level. You know, this isn't something that. Um, in the parlance of our time, you know, you probably wouldn't even have a Wikipedia page. Right. And if it doesn't have a Wikipedia page, does it even exist? No. There you go. Uh, so under cover of darkness, cults of his insane priests labor tirelessly to free their dark master from his prison, hoping to aid him in the destruction of all. Tharuzdan's cultists call him by many names. Uh, such as the ones that we mentioned. Uh, he also grants spells 
in the guise of the elder elemental evil. And those who follow his dogma believe that the very threads that weave the universe together must be torn asunder, then burned, then the ashes scattered, until all is nothing and no one exists to remember existence. I mean, that's pretty, pretty thorough. It, it's pretty bleak, but yet it's so awesome. I mean, there's, the, <laughs> I don't know. And maybe my brain is broke. No, I mean, look, I'll, I'll lay it out there. Uh, existence is a prison and uh... <laughs> <laughs> let's, just, let's just call it what it is. Yeah. <laughs> there was, right. was right. <laughs> um, you know, if, if, if I'm in this world, I, I'm at least, I'm at least going to the Ted talk. At least I'm hearing him out. I'm giving him 15 minutes. Uh, so an inscription in one of Theresden's black pyramids says, light must be snuffed, perfection decayed, order dissolved, and minds fragmented. The dark I mean, whispers... That also sounds like a... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say that just sounds like a description of an awesome start, party. Start at the beginning. Uh, okay. Okay. I mean, honestly, that sounds like the description of an awesome party. I mean, if I'm 23, I get handed a flyer <laughs> that's, you know, with a with an address and it says lights, light must be snuffed, perfection decayed, order dissolved and minds fragmented, you know, five dollars at the door. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, why not? I've got five bucks. <laughs> Let's go. I'm, all my plans are canceled. Let's go. So the dark whispers of he who waits are entropy themselves. So his dogma doesn't get much more complicated than that. I mean, there's it doesn't get much more complex than like just destroy everything, leave nothing behind. Given the insanity that's rampant among his clerics, any discussion about Tharosden will often degenerate into screams and illulate. Ululations, which just sounds like the internet. I mean, that's yeah. not what it is. <laughs> so, yep. I, I mean, the more I'm reading about Thars and the more like, you know, unpacking the research and the lore, uh, it sounds um, kind of like the society we live in now. Uh, yeah. Many of Thars clerics don't even realize that they are worshiping he of eternal darkness since the power actually hides behind other aspects and other names, most notably the Elder Elemental Eye. Those who do know the truth are offered great power, but at the price of one's own sanity. The more dark blessings a cleric of Tharosden receives, the more tenuous their grip on reality. The chain god's few remaining temples and unholy sites are far from civilization and well hidden. Because after all, the public knowledge of a site devoted to Tharosden is enough to raise an entire army of crusading paladins. Like I said, this is something that the layman probably wouldn't recognize the name, but you know, a paladin who devotes their life to smiting evil definitely would know who Tharosden is. Right. And definitely would want uh, any sort of temple or worship site dedicated to he who waits 
destroyed as quickly as possible. So as a result, cults of the Eater of Worlds guard these sites carefully and rarely stray from them, for their dark god has great difficulty granting spells far from the ancient sites that were once devoted to him. Now, like I said, Tharuzan has been around for a while as far as the, you know, the lore goes, but has also been around a while in terms of the game itself. He has his origins all the way back to the first edition of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, and he's made his way through second edition AD&D, third and fourth editions, and if you've played through or even read Princes of the Apocalypse or Ghost, uh, Ghosts of the Saltmarsh, you know that he and his cultists are still very much around Faerun, causing trouble, trying to free him from his prison, you know, uh, demiplane. And not just Faerun, but Exandria, as Matt Mercer from Critical Role uses the Elder Evil as one of the betrayer gods when he was constructing the lore of his personal campaign setting. It's a fun fact. It's a little fun fact. And uh, if you're listening, if you're a critter, if you love Critical Role, or if uh, you're are interested about learning more about Critical critical Role, drop me a line. Let me know if you're interested in learning more about their lore. I mean, a lot of it is um, is very similar or at least inspired by the D&D lore, you know, with some changes. Uh, for example, you know, um, Daruzdan is uh, one of the betrayer gods. And that's why he is imprisoned uh, in the Exandria uh, world. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in learning more about Critical Role, I would not mind digging into that lore as well. So yeah, if you're, if you're interested, drop me a line, dndlorecast at gmail.com, our Discord, or any of the social medias. I still need to join that Discord. I'm gonna do. Do that be- I'm going to do that before we get off the uh, line. I'm going to have you walk my old man self through the process of getting on that discord you uh, you're part of discord you are on several discords i know but i i'm never it always feels like a small miracle that i arrive anywhere i'm supposed to be when it comes to discord uh so we've reached the end of the show and as promised we are going to reveal which of the from the first half of the show which of the vile gods we would consider being followers of we have Quran. Rollister, the patient one, Skarasar, and Zamix and Yethan. I think we can both say the the Zamix is getting ruled out. It's a little yeah. a little too tame. If we're going vile, we're going full vile. Right. Uh Yethan, again, for me personally, I'm not an accomplished swimmer. I'm not now, but in my younger days, uh, I was considered a veteran of my apartment complex's swimming pool. Um, I spent a lot of time in that pool. Um, honestly, I mean, I guess just Ethan is the one that I would probably end up following, not because I want to brag on my swimming skills, but just because <laughs> the, I don't know, the the underwater, you know, behemoths and stuff, it's very... Um, it's very Lovecraftian. I mean, all of this stuff is, you know, very Lovecraftian in a way, but like this specifically, like he has several stories that delve deep into ocean dwelling, uh, uh, ancient, you know, evils and things like that. And so that, that imagery, um, 
really resonates for me. I love this idea of, you know, the temples always being submerged. I mean, I'd probably drown at my first meeting, but I would still try to join. I think if I, you know, if well, I you probably have some sort of like unholy magic, uh, some evil magic keeping you alive, like helping you breathe underwater. Yeah. Yeah. Of course I do. I mean, if you were to become a follower of Ethan, for sure. Yeah, yeah. If I signed up at the job fair. Um, yeah, or you would, your body would be horribly uh, mutilated and transformed so that you could breathe underwater. Ooh, yeah. Let's let's go with that. I also love the idea that he literally just brooded himself into this. Like, he put himself into a bad mood for all time. For all and time. No one, and no one has talked him out yeah. of it. Um, yeah, I I identify strongly with that. Um, fair enough, fair enough. How about um, you? For me, um, I'd probably go Rallister. Okay, Rallister, the deity of murder, torture, and psychotic behavior. Sure, it's um, you know, it's very archetypal, archetypical of evil. You know, it's the mm -hmm. evil archetype. It's the evil stereotype. But you know, sometimes the classics are classics for a reason. And he has that great hair. And he has that great mane of hair. Uh, and he may or may not have nails in his head. Um, but just, and also that, you know, um, they are mass murderers, psychopaths, but they lurk in the shadows or discreetly hide in plain sight, which is always, you know, in real life is always the most terrifying thing about like these truly evil people who commit these heinous acts. And they were, you know, Oh, they were, you know, like their kid was, uh, was, uh, on, on my, my kid's kid. soccer yeah, team. Exactly. Yeah. Like he seemed like such a nice guy. He never would have done something like that. <laughs> but now, now that, that you mention it. So yeah. So I'm going Rallister all the way. I think that's a good choice. That, that would have been my second choice. If, if there hadn't been a cool underwater deity, I probably would have gone with Rallister too. And also like the, the symbol, like the, uh, the the toothy mouth clamped down on a bloody razor thin blade, already kind of looks like I can imagine it, and it kind of already looks like uh like the logo of a punk rock band I would have loved as a high schooler. That's exactly what I was thinking too. <laughs> like I could like see that patch on my hoodie. Yep. So, you know, it checks all sorts of boxes for me. <laughs> you should have the the listeners chime in with uh which which vile god they would uh. No, yeah, I was gonna say absolutely. Um, so jump on the Discord. Um, if you if you need me to, I can walk you through how to join as I'm going to as, as I'm going to walk Sean through. Um, but yeah, let us know which vile god you would rather you know who you would uh, pick to be a follower of. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Sergio. My name is Sean. Fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your twenties be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at D&D Lorecast. Or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll see you soon. Listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.